The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working every week to give you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Always looking for the practical information, uh, even when we have a famous national guru on the show or trying to make sure that what you're getting is information that you can put into effect in your own real estate business. And today is no exception as I interview one of my favorite wild women of real estate, Miss Kathy Kennebrook, also known as the marketing magic lady. Kathy is one of the most successful direct marketers in the real estate investing business. She has bought hundreds of houses using letters and postcards in her home area in the Tampa, Florida area. Uh, she um, She's coming to the 2018 National Real Estate Summit here in Cincinnati on November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. Uh, but she's doing something unusual. She's doing something that she has not done here before, at least not in Ohio that uh, I've seen. And that is she's doing an all-day workshop on, yes, how to how to do the letters and postcards and who to write to and all of those sorts of things. But importantly, on the process of what happens after that. You know, lots of people can tell you how to generate calls, but then there's the matter of dealing with those responses, right? And uh, she's doing this all-day workshop that is included in your admission to the National Real Estate Strategy Summit. Uh, So when we get to the end of this show and you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, I want to know so much more than that, you can remember that in a couple of weeks we're going to be making a special offer here on WMKV for admission to that event where you will pay less than everybody else and get more for it. So don't don't be mad at me that the show's only an hour long. It's not my fault. She's got all day on November the 1st. She's joining us by phone from her home in really really it's not Tampa, is it, Kathy? You live in you live in the Bradenton area. Correct. Yes, it's actually Bradenton, which is about 45 minutes south of Tampa. I just I just consider that whole area of Florida all be like they call us Tampa Bay, so you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like Sarasota, <laughs> it's Tampa. Tampa, right. that's Tampa. Everything's right. everything's Tampa down there. Um, so uh, I want to I want to let listeners know that I mean they're going to be super curious about your direct mail stuff, and you have done at least two other interviews on this program over the course of the last four or five years 
on that topic. So, for you know, I want I want to kind of direct folks to go to our archives at realliferealestate.com and listen up on that part because it's it's important. Everybody knows it's important to do marketing. There's about a thousand times more people who know that it's important than are actually doing it. So, you know, it would be good <laughs> to listen to what you have to say about that and actually do it. But then there's this next part, um, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this. You've got, you've got hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of students all over the country yourself where they'll, they'll do it. They'll, like, they'll like get your letters. They'll send them out. They'll start getting phone calls, and then it's like it all falls apart right there. Like, exactly. They, they, it's like they don't know. They, it's like they can't deal with what's going to happen next. Like, what did you expect to happen? Why did you? Why did you reach out to motivated sellers if you didn't want them telling you that they had a house for sale? So, so let's let's deal with that in in this show. And the first thing, first thing I want to get out of the way, is I'm going to keep saying phone calls because phone calls is how people interact with my office. But the reality is many of your contacts with sellers do not come from phone calls. That is correct. Most of the contact I get from motivated sellers is coming to me by mail, email, and fax. The two reasons for that is I don't really want them to call, so I tell them exactly what I want them to do in the body of my letter. I also give them a response mechanism that tells them exactly what information I need in order to, to, to determine if there's a deal there. And the easiest way for them to do that is to simply write it down and send it to me. So most of the folks I deal with, I don't deal with by phone, but we do deal with some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep saying phone, and you're going okay. to keep wanting to you're going to keep wanting to correct me, but that's just my habit. <laughs> the bottom line the bottom line is it doesn't it doesn't matter how the folks get a hold of you; it matters what right. you do next. Correct. So and a lot of that has to go with has to do with fear and procrastination, and I was the queen of both of those years ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay. We'll, we'll we'll talk. I want you to talk about that because. I think there's probably listeners going, man, I probably should return that phone call that I got two weeks ago from that guy. Exactly. Now, 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 that, now, that, now that I'm hearing Vina and Kathy say it, yeah, I guess I'm doing it. So tell me how that, that felt to you, like, like what was going on in your head, and then most importantly, how did you get over it? Well, the first thing was that it felt like I would find everything else there was to do instead of returning that phone call. I mean, even if I had the information in front of me and, and, and the deal was pre-screened, you still got to call them and talk to them. And so getting past that <clears throat> was tough. The biggest thing you have to remember is that they're just people. And, and the more you mess up and the more you stutter a little bit, the more comfortable you're really making them because, you know, they're just people too. And, and so really it's just a matter of, you know, of, of the comfort level and just getting off your duffies and doing it. And the first time or two you do it, it gets easier. And the first time you get a paycheck, it gets really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, I know this has been, you've been doing this now for, man, I've lost count, more than 15 years, right? Yeah, going for 20. Gosh, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> going for, I'm not going to tell you how long I've been doing it then. Um, <laughs> so so do do you remember what it was you were afraid was going to happen when you called? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I thought they were going to yell at me or, I mean, they're calling you because they have a house they need to sell. You've already pre-screened it to that point, you know. Um, and, and so 
it was just tough. I guess maybe because I didn't know exactly what I was doing yet. I was afraid I'd make a mistake. I was afraid I'd say the wrong thing. I was afraid I'd get the deal, and then I wouldn't know what to do with it. And that happened um, back in the very early days. And, and what we ended up doing was, on the first couple of deals, we partnered with someone in our local real estate club until we started figuring out what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and OREA is like one of the best places they can do that. And your clubs up there are wonderful for those for those kind of help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, very true. Yeah, the groups in Ohio give everybody else OREA envy. Yes, they do. And people, people, <laughs> people come to like Cincinnati and Columbus and they're like, there's so many people here and they're so happy to be here and they're so excited and they're all doing business. And, exactly. You know, you go, you, you, you've been there, you go to some... Uh, you go to some some places in the country, and it just seems like there's you know twenty seven mad broke people in the room. Right. Um, so, so um, uh, it was kind of like a free floating anxiety that it sounds like you weren't really able to put a pin in exactly what it is it that I think is going to go wrong here. But once you just kind of swallowed and went, I you know I just I just got to do this anyway. Right. It it, it it evaporated because none of the stuff that you thought might happen actually did. Right, and once you had that first conversation or two and then hung up, it was like, whoa, that wasn't so bad. Because um, mm-hmm. they are, they're just people. They have a problem you need to help them solve. And once you kind of get into that head where you understand that they need you, um, it sort of changes the dynamic a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I try and tell people who are who are in that place, because I get it, man, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't. I'd much rather text somebody than talk to them. I'd much right. rather be at home reading a book than at a party. And so I definitely had that too. And I could tell you hours or the stories about ways that I avoided talking to people uh, yeah. back at the beginning. But what I try and tell people now is um, just try and make a game of it. And the game is I need to talk to 20 sellers this week. I don't right. have to get them to say yes. I don't have to get them to like me. I don't have to get them. I don't have to get them to do anything the game is I just got to tick off 20 because typically when somebody's talked to that many sellers, they realize they're, they're not evil. They're either calling because they, they want, they want to sell their house, which is what you offered. You know, you offer to buy it or they're calling to sell it, tell you that their house is not for sale. And even when they do that, it's not like they're screaming at you. It's just, I don't know how you got my name, but my house isn't for sale. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. If your house ever is for sale, how about giving me a call? You know, it's not, it's not that, not that, difficult. So very good. Uh, We need to take a quick break. Um, When we come back, we are going to talk about some of the technicalities of this. Um, uh, How, how do you get the, how do you uh, deal with responses? Like, is there a timeline under which you would try and get back to somebody? What, What do you want in your hand before you get back to them? All of those sorts of things. We're also taking your calls and emails, listeners. If you have questions, you can call them in to 877-772-9658. That's 877-772-9658. Or alternatively, you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Kathy Kennebrook. She's the marketing magic lady. Uh, she's doing an all-day seminar at the National Real Estate Strategy Summit, which I keep mentioning because in a couple of weeks, it's going to be fun drive here on WMKV. I'm like doing the opposite of what you're supposed to do. I'm, you're not supposed to tell people ever that you're going to ask them for money. You're just supposed to sneak up on them and like one Wednesday they <laughs> turn on the radio and instead of a show they're hearing 
call right now and we repeat the phone number over and over again that I'm not going to repeat because I don't think it's live right now. Uh, but I'm telling you, you need to be listening to that show because we're going to have a limited number of special seats available at this OREA convention for people who pledge to the station. It's very little money. It's, uh, I will tell, I will, I will give you this hit. It's under 200 bucks for two people for all four days. And if you are at all serious about your real estate business, you're going to be there because number one, you get to listen to 15 awesome up to the minute talks from people like Kathy. And number two, as Kathy just mentioned, you're going to meet like 800 potential mentors, partners, lenders, buyers, sellers. I mean, the, the, just the people, the, the people watching and the people talking to is just amazing. So don't blow off that show in a couple of weeks when it comes up, because it's going to be one day. That's the only chance you're going to get. And you don't want to miss this anyway. So Kathy, yes, um, I'm back. You, <laughs> we're you, back. You, uh, so, so you have, you have mailed out whatever letters to, people who you have some reason to believe have a house and a problem. And again, folks can go to realliferealestate.com and listen to to whom you mail and, and so on. And now you've gotten a response in some form. It's a call, it's a fax, it's a piece of mail, it's an email, right. whatever. Yep. What is the next thing you do about that? Okay, so the first thing that I'm going to do about that is do a little bit more research on that particular property. Um, property records here in Florida are pretty easy to get your hands on, so I'll go to the property appraiser's office. Uh, I might Google Earth the property so I can take a quick peek at it, um, things like that, so I can kind of familiarize myself a little bit more with that property before I make contact with that seller. Um, and, and sometimes I don't make contact with the seller by phone at all. We've actually had instances, for example, I had a seller call me not too long ago. I'm sorry, she didn't call me. She sent a response to my letter, and basically the response said, hey, how did you know I had a house to sell? My uncle left me this thing. I've never been to Florida. I've never seen it. Make an offer. And, and so what I did was I went over to the property. I took pictures of the home. I wrote a contract, sent that to her, and got a signed contract back four days later mm-hmm. without ever having the first conversation with her at all. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Um, but... The general way that we do it is to take the time to do a little bit more research on the property, um, partly to see if what they're telling me is true, and partly to see if what they're telling me is realistic as far as how much money they want for the property based on the condition and the other information that they've given me. At that point, I pick up the phone and make contact with that seller. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so it's research phone call or not or not <laughs> so right, some, some exactly. kind of con- some kind of contact back and by that time uh you probably know i mean you said you know about the property from the public record you know what the seller has said they want right are you gonna are you gonna negotiate further on the phone or do you wait to get face to face with people to do that most of the time my negotiations are done on the telephone before i ever go out and look at a property we better be real close before I ever go out and see a property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I delve deeper with them as to what the repairs are, knowing that what they're telling me isn't entirely true, because it never is. Um, 
And then based on what I've looked, and see, I'm able to look up like county permits and things like that so I can check mechanicals and stuff like that, and I do. Um, so I check all of those things before I have that conversation with the seller. And once I've had the conversation with the seller, we both have a real good idea what we're going to do before I ever go out to see that property. You have to understand that most of the people I'm working with are highly motivated sellers. They need to be done with that property for whatever reason that might be. They've either inherited it uh, perhaps or it was a vacation home for them or a retirement home or mom and dad quit claimed it to them because they want to go into a nursing home or an assisted living facility or or a divorce and they're both taken off and they're done with the thing you know so so these are highly motivated sellers with a lot of reasons not all of which necessarily have to do with money it has to do with get rid of this house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, way of doing it that that you you don't try and get to their table until they're, you're already pretty sure that you're in in alignment in some way uh, on what the price and terms are going to be. And I say it's interesting because I do the same thing. I don't want to get in my car and drag myself all the way across town to talk to somebody that <laughs> that I'm going to find out when I get there is right. is not because because sometimes people tell motivated stories like. You know, my, my my wife left me and my dog died and lost my job and broke my leg. And then they say the price and you're like, dude, you're not motivated. <laughs> you're asking, right, exactly. You're, you're, ta- you're, you're, you're talking you're talking the right game, but your your price isn't motivated. But but you realize because I know, you know, like me, you go to a lot of conferences, you talk to a lot of other uh, speakers and high level real estate entrepreneurs. Y- you know, a lot of people don't agree with that strategy they they say you got to get in front of the person and but i can't because my desk being with what i do and and direct mail marketing is such a machine we have so many leads coming in i can't physically do that and i don't want to mm-hmm. my time is worth more than that and this is not the only business i run so i have to be real real sure where i'm going before i'm going <laughs> so um, you know, and I have to be real, real sure about what you know what that price is going to be within reason. I mean, the negotiation is probably uh, uh, three or four or five or six or ten thousand, maybe one way or the other, ish. You know, it's not like necessarily that's the price of all. Although a lot of times it is, mm-hmm. unless I get there and boy did they lie, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, or I get there and we've kind of gotten to this price, and then uh, you know. Well, okay, now you understand I'm a cash buyer, so is this really the best you can do, or can we move a little bit more? And so the, 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 the end of the negotiation takes place at the table, but we're real close to being there when I get there. So I think basically what you're saying is that if people feel obligated to go run out and get to people's tables every time somebody calls, they're probably not getting enough calls. Correct. Absolutely. Interesting. Okay, so um, call comes in. You're doing your little bit of research. You're 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 calling the people back, sort of more educated uh, than you were when you first sent out the mailing. Uh, some of them, when you talk to them on the phone and you start saying the kind of prices that you think you can pay, are going to say, "Oh no 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 no, that wouldn't work for me." Do you have a system for follow up for that sort of person? Because, you know, again, the guy with the with the wife leaving him and the dog dying, he may not be motivated now. 
Right. But talk to him again in six weeks when the state's about to auction his property off at a tax sale and <laughs> things might be or different. Or he just got another property tax bill, which is coming up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so do you, have, uh, do you have some sort of way of reminding yourself that I need to call this guy back or do you not bother? What, what, what's, what's your process there? Absolutely. We do that in, um, we actually lay it at the, at the, at the feet of the seller. Um, I have two ways that we do it. Um, the, the first, there, okay, the first thing we have to keep in mind is that not everybody in the world has a computer. They just don't. The actual number on that is between 18 and 22%. Okay? So if they have a computer, I'm using an autoresponder system. Autoresponder system sends them an email every 30 days that basically says, hey, it's Kathy again. When you're ready to sell, I'm ready to buy. Mm-hmm. Real easy. If they do not have a computer, I am doing the same thing, only with a postcard. Um, you know, hey, so-and-so, when you're ready to sell, I'm ready to buy. And it works really, really well. You already spent the money. You already sent out the piece. You've already pulled them into your funnel. Why would you let them go if they have not already sold that house to someone else or told you to go away? So I've already got this person in my funnel. They haven't said no. They haven't sold it someplace else. So I'm going to keep following up with that person until they change their mind. When somebody says to me, oh, are you out of your mind? I can't take that that amount of money. All they're saying is, no, not today, but can you follow up with me until I change my mind? That's mm-hmm. all they're saying. And you get your ego out of it, and, and that's the way that we follow up with the sellers. I can't tell you how many come back from the follow-up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on it. I just finished a deal, just, just bought a house a month ago. Um, and what happened was the seller had the house. It was his retirement home. He and I got together a year, you know, like a year ago. It's been, it was like a year, and his name is Eric. And we went back and forth, and he goes, no, 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 I'm, I'm not taking that for this house. It's like, okay, Eric, is it okay if I follow up with you periodically and see what happens? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So in the meantime, he, he termite-treated the property. He put new flooring in, updated the electrical, and then he put a tenant in the property. Well, a year goes by, and unfortunately, his wife became ill. And thank goodness she's doing well. But at that point in time, they needed the cash to deal with that medical situation. He called me back and said, okay, are you ready to buy my house yet? And I said, I don't know, Eric. Are you ready to, to sell it to me at a price we can both live with? And we came up with a price on the phone that we could both live with. I went out to the house, saw all the new stuff he had done for me. I was like, yay. <laughs> and, and we ended up buying it as a, basically a business in a box because the house is cash flowing for me at $400 a month. The tenant is fantastic, like eat off the floor fantastic. Um, the home was completely furnished when we got it, and she's been living in the home furnished. And so I ended up buying a business in a box because I took the time to follow up with that semi-motivated seller. Very good. Very good. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, the process for um, getting back with people who have not picked up the phone and called or otherwise responded. And we're also going to take your calls at 877 772 Again, 877-772-9658, or you can send us an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Kathy Kennebrook. Uh, you've probably already heard of Kathy. If you belong to a RIA group in this country, she has probably at some time in the last 10 years visited you. Uh, but you probably haven't heard this side of her um, because... I don't know, Kathy, one of the one of the weird one of the weird things about being a what in the industry is called a national speaker, right? People who go people who go from 
go around to read groups and give presentations is that um, the group itself has certain expectations of us. We're supposed to go and we're supposed to talk about this thing that's inside this box that we agreed to talk about. Right. And we're, you know, we're supposed to, we're supposed to let people know about our course and people, people sort of get the impression that we're not like fully, fully dimensional human beings because <laughs> they, they only see us talk about this one thing. Right. And we're, you know, of course we're up there and we're really excited about it and whatnot, but they, they miss that. Yes, we understand that there's all this other stuff that's going to happen as a result of that one thing. And that's part of the education you're buying. Right. Right. So it's always fun when we can do something like this where we can step out of the, I'm on the stage box. Right. And actually talk about what the, what the real business is. Um, so I appreciate that. And I appreciate you agreeing to do an all day because I know that's kind of not, that's not in, that's not, that has not been in your box <laughs> up until recently. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that. We need to go to the emails here and okay. uh, take some questions. And also, okay. again, listeners, you want instant service, you're going to call. See, if you're, afraid of, if you're afraid of picking up the phone and calling sellers, this would be good practice. There pick, you go. Pick up the phone and call Kathy. It's 877 <laughs> Okay, a question from Brad in Dallas. Uh, he says, can Kathy describe a little bit about what she does with these properties? It would help me understand what sort of deal she's negotiating on the phone. It depends on how the deal comes at me. Um, and your business is going to change a lot as your business grows, as your business ferments and, and goes on in years. Um, so what I did 20 years ago is a lot different than what I do now. Um, so a lot of it has to do with the way the deal comes at me. But um, I do wholesale sometimes, but rarely, because I've gotten old and greedy. I want all the money. <laughs> I still wholesale because I've gotten old and lazy, and I don't want to do the rehab. <laughs> well, see, and that's it. We've matured our crews, so that part's all kind of better. So, And they do a great job of running things, and so I can step away from that part of the business totally. Um, but that's taken time to ferment as well. Um, so we like to, we like to buy um, and hold. Um, I do lease option. I do rentals. I do work for equity. So if I bring a property in and it doesn't need structural or, or heavy mechanical, just mostly cosmetic, I do work for equity on those types um, of properties. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then we do like, and we do like to um, buy um, rehab and retail. Mm-hmm. And some of that is actually sort of, you know, my, my CPA is sort of the overseer there also. Um, and so he kind of keeps track of, you know, our, our taxes and what's happening with all of that. And so he will guide us along the, well, the way as well to help us to know what, what types of deals we need to be doing as far as our taxation situation, too. So it has a lot to do with a lot of different things. And it has a lot to do with the way you get the property to start with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you're more of a, you're less of a, oh, I have this cookie cutter where every property goes into this chute right here and more of a, I'm a deal finder and then the right. deal tells me what I'm going to do with it. Oh, exactly. Um, I've always believed in the more tools you have in your toolbox by way of knowing various exit strategies, the more money you're going to make in the business. And so I've always been sort of, you know, the tools in the toolbox kind of kind of a kind of a mentality um so we know a lot of obviously different ways to to um to buy and sell so that 
we make the most money on every property. I mean, I do a lot of other stuff. I mean, we do, we do for example, we have some, some small apartments, and we do, like, duplexes and triplexes. I also do a lot with vacant land, and that's a seminar for a whole other day. Mm. So, so we, we do a variety of different kinds of deals, and we always have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, question from Troy in Detroit. Well, that's almost like a tongue twister. Troy from, yeah. Troy, Troy, Troy from Detroit uh, says, I hear Kathy saying that she makes an offer right on the phone, but how does she estimate repairs before she even sees the house? You have a pretty good, once you become a mature, long-term sort of, a, of, of an investor, um, first of all, that's part of the process that the seller goes through for me in order for me to determine whether or not there's a deal. When I discuss things with the seller, I get in-depth about all of that. I also ask my sellers to send me photographs, um, and 90% of them do send me photographs. So I have a really good idea, and I've checked permits, so I know what my mechanicals look like. Mechanicals, by the way, meaning uh, roof, Asia, the plumbing, um, air conditioning, those kinds of things for Mm -hmm. us here in Florida. Um, and so I have a really good idea. And then, and then once you've started to do a lot of properties, it's either a 20000 a 30000 a 40000 I don't need to know to the nickel what my rehab is going to be. If that changes in a big way, when I do get into the face of the seller, the seller and I are going to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the thing is, Troy, until you get that sixth sense... Right. <laughs> and, and and it sort of almost is less like it, it becomes seriously, if you've been in this business long enough, you can have an entire conversation with the seller where they're saying everything's wonderful. My house is perfect. Everything's brand new. And you walk away from the conversation going, that house needs $15,000 worth of work. And you're right. Exactly. It's like it's like you exactly. you can you can read between the lines when you've talked to, you know, when you put in your right. 10,000 hours talking to sellers. But Troy, until that time. A great uh, seller interview form would help you a lot because yep. uh, that reminds you that, oh, I, I didn't ask about the roof. I didn't ask about the, the plumbing. And, you know, if what you have to do right now, because I'm, I'm reading I'm reading between the lines here, Troy, and thinking you're fairly new to the business. Um, you, you write down roof is 15 years old. You write down. Uh, plumbing was partly replaced. You write down kitchen hasn't been updated since seller got it. And if you have to then hang up the phone and say, uh, you, have to, you have to say, uh, I need to do some numbers here and I'll call you back in the next hour. Exactly. And you have to put those numbers down and, and go, all right, so 15-year-old roof, is that going to need to be replaced? Yeah, it probably is. The kitchen hasn't been done since they moved in and that was 15 years ago. That's probably going to have to be plumbing partially replaced. Probably means the rest of it. You know, you can sit and have some time to think, right? And write down numbers, and then you—it's—it's it's okay to not to not be as quick as Kathy is about just being able to say, uh, "Listen, dude, uh, what you can give your house is one seventy. You don't—you don't have to be able to do that. It's okay to—it's okay to take a breath, but you have to make sure you have all the information first. And a, a good inspection sheet would help with that a lot. Exactly. Okay, a question from JC in Las Vegas. He says, uh, can you please ask Kathy her opinion on using virtual assistants or answering services to take incoming calls? Oh, that's, that is a question I get a lot, Vina. Um, and I'm going to say no. And I, and I get a lot of face 
scrunching when I say no. Um, first of all, the way that I do direct mail marketing, we already said that only 10 to 15% of those people are picking up a phone and calling me anyway. What I am trying to portray to my seller is that I am that I'm working with them sort of on a personal level. I'm not like this big giant company and all that good stuff. So I don't want my seller to pick up a phone and and hear 10 other conversations going on in the background. That's the fastest thing that's going to get that phone hung up. Uh-huh. That's that's not what I'm about and that's not what I do. And to be perfectly honest, I I'm going to start bringing these recordings to to events that I do. And let people hear the calls I get. They go to a normal office answering machine, and I've already told the seller what I want from them in the body of the letter. So they go, oh, okay, so, so for 15 minutes on the phone. And it cracks me up. I love it. I had a guy, just really quick, I'll tell you the story really fast. Um, one of my letters is, is, is all of my letters are warm and friendly and sweet and all of that. And, and one of my letters says something to the effect of, um, and so when, you know, feel free to contact me in the way that's most comfortable for you. You know, mail, email, fax, telephone, smoke signals, whatever works best for you. That's what's in the letter. And the guy called on the phone and he goes, okay, so I sent the smoke signals, but I was afraid you'd be too far away. So, okay, so let me call you and let me give you the information that you need. And he talked to me for 15 minutes on my answering machine and told me everything I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. You got to train your sellers to do what you want them to do, or they won't do anything at all, or they're going to do what you don't want them to do. Very good point. Very good point. All right. So uh, back to the questions at askvina at gmail.com. Like everybody today is not calling. Last week it was call, 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 no emails. This week it's email, email, email. So um, got to back up to where I'm actually able to see the emails. All right, uh, this one is from Karen, who does not say where she is from, but has a an email address that would make me believe that she's already in the real estate business. She says, how do I deal with sellers who don't want to get to their real price on the phone? Sometimes they say things to me like, just come out and make me an offer, or even you're the one who sent me the postcard, you tell me what you'll pay for my house. Do you still just come out and make an offer on the phone or in that case do you go to their home neither um i want more information and i tell the seller you know the best way for me to make a fair offer to you is by getting the information i need in order to determine how much i can pay you if they won't go any further and they won't give you the answers to your questions move on Hmm. interesting well that also answers a question here from mike Uh, He says, what about sellers who are not forthcoming about the details of their situation or the terms of their loan? On to the next. Interesting. Very good. Well, listeners, you can also ask your questions at askvina at gmail.com or you can uh, give us a call. If you do it quick, we're running out of show here at 877-772-9658. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Guest today is Kathy Kennebrook. We're talking about what happens, uh, you know, everybody everybody can talk about, like, who, who, do, you, who do you reach out to? Like, what, what are, what's a motivated seller? What do you do in the way of contacting them? But what gets left out of that discussion a lot is um, 
what happens after the phone rings because if the phone rings and you're not making deals, what has fallen apart is something in your business <laughs> or possibly your psychology, uh, not the marketing thing. And uh, I think that many times people who are aware that they should be marketing, I mean, I don't think there's anybody in this whole industry that hasn't heard the words, you need to market for deals in a seller's market. Uh, sometimes I think people don't do it because they don't, they, they can't picture what's supposed to happen next. They don't, they don't see themselves doing what happens next. They're scared of what happens next. So we're trying to like, you know, take a deep breath and understand that the rest of this stuff is it like everything else. It's a system and it's something you have to work on, but it's not that scary. So, um, the last question I had Kathy, because, um, we do have some more questions from, from listeners that we need to get to is, uh, in the hottest market, like like the like the like the most the most cold buyers market on the planet, the best mailing that you're going to do might get like a five to ten percent response rate from the best list you have, which means ninety percent of the people didn't contact you. What do you do about those folks? We follow. We we basically um, we do residual mailings. Residual is key to your success as a real estate investor. Each direct mail campaign I do varies a bit, but it's between every 30 and every 90 days, and there are reasons for it being 30 or 60 or 90 or whatever that we don't have time to cover right now. But um, we do residual mailings. The more that you gently touch your seller with your message and the more of an expert you become in your market area, the more deals you're going to do. Um, I get letters or responses from sellers often, quite often, that say, um, you know, I've been contacted by you three or four times in the last year. Obviously, you know what you're doing. Obviously, you've been in the business a while. Those kind of responses. And it makes the sellers much more comfortable with working with me if they've received these residual mailings. So it's real important to do residual. Mm. So you feel like you feel like even though they have not, in fact, talked to you, the the fact that they've heard from you seven times or something kind of exactly. makes them feel like they know you a little bit exactly and and um historically what has happened is if a seller has received a direct mail campaign from me two to three to four times they're going to respond to me before they're going to respond to somebody else they only got one letter from mm. which is the biggest thing i try to beat into the heads of my students is that residual is so important Vina, you know as well as I do that direct mail marketing is a machine. Once you get it into place and you start, you know, get the engine running, get the machine rolling, it's a machine that's going to chug out deal after deal after deal after deal. But there takes some steps to get it in place and get it moving. And once you do, just sit back and enjoy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll just bring you a ton of deals. But residual is so important uh, to bringing in the highest number of deals. Question from Cantor, who uh, who is from the Tampa area. Ho oh, ha ha! <laughs> so he could be anywhere. He could be anywhere from you know Pensacola to I don't even My know my backyard. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good one, Cantor. I like that. Um, he says, uh, Kathy, I'm wondering if you're seeing any decrease in the response rate to your mailings versus perhaps four or five years ago, and also whether you're getting a higher number of people contacting you, telling you that they have contacted multiple investors. This is what I'm finding in my market. Okay, so the two, th- there are 
so many variables. The market flexes a little bit. Our market flexes a little bit. So, for example, during the summertime, it drops off a bit because we live in a demographic that's a little unusual. Um, and since he's in the Tampa area, um, folks, one of the things that you need to learn about is what your demographic is. Once you learn your demographic, you can target your mailings and your marketing to what that demographic is. So in our particular case, a little bit slow right now, I admit it. However, give me another month. Um, kids are back in school. Snowbirds are back in town. Property tax bills are going out. There are so many variables that are the responses to the marketing that you're doing you've got to continue to market all the time this goes back to residual mailings 90 percent of the of, of the the investors that I work with in my area do a mailing one time and they never do it again mm-hmm. I am doing residual mailing so my sellers are continuing to hear from me over and over and over which drives my response rates up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you're not <clears throat> You're not finding that um, your your ability to buy deals from people has been compromised by the obvious fact that there are more people doing mailings. I mean, the, you know, folks are um, folks are. You you have rentals, so you get them too. Oh, I yes, I get oh, I get twenty yeah. I get twenty postcards a week many of which are, uh, frankly, insulting, some of which are threatening, some of which are completely like, like, I, they're, they're just mysterious, you know, you're not, you're not sure what they even want, because they swear that this is the third time they've tried, tried to contact you and that they've tried to look you up on the internet, but they don't tell you why, (laughs) just that it's about your house. So seriously, there, there are, there are many, many, many more people mailing in the market right now than there were in in 2008 when there was probably hardly anybody except you <laughs> and and, and yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so are you are you finding that either people are getting back to you less often per number do you have to do you have to mail more posts more, more letters to get the same number of calls no okay and no. or are you hearing from people uh well i've already got nine offers so yeah you can come make one too no um Every now and then, but not very often. For, okay, first of all, you, you touched on a few things right there. The, the, the biggest thing that affects what I do is the letter and the language, the list and the criteria that I use to hone that list even further. So, for example, if you take a mailing to out-of-state owners, that's hundreds of people. So I use very specific criteria in every direct mail campaign that I do to hone in on the most highly qualified of that group. And then I do it in a residual manner with a letter that's well-crafted to that exact seller and specific criteria to bring me the exact seller I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. All of those things drive my response rates up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't believe some of the garbage I get in here. <laughs> yes, and I it's would. one of my students, I can't stand it. I sit down and write them a whole letter back telling them what was wrong with that marketing <laughs> piece and why did they not look at what they, they had in the front. I really do. I can't stand it. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> what you mean. Bad guru. Bad, bad guru. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have the time to 
to call them all and say, you realize that even if I was a motivated seller, which I'm not, and there's no reason for you right. to think I am, because I live in the same city as my property. My tenant's not under eviction. I didn't exactly. inherit this property. I, yep. I'm i not in foreclosure. I, you have no reason to believe that I'm unhappy with my rental. But even if I was, I'd be so insulted by your postcard <laughs> that exactly. I would never call you. <laughs> right. And the other part of that is the majority of sellers I work with throw those, tr- those postcards away they, they get sorted over the trash can. That's number one. Number two, I have no place in the body of a postcard to put the response mechanism and the information that I need from that seller in order to determine whether there's a deal there to be made or not. So I'm not wasting my postage on, on, a, on a postcard. It's going to be something that my, my seller can open up, read, look at, and hold on to it until their need changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and a, a property that I just bought, like, two weeks ago. This was so funny. Little old lady called me up and it was um, her dad. So she was elderly. So he had to be like quite elderly. And she said, I was sorting through my father's things and I found three letters from you in his desk drawer. Do you really buy houses? Can you really help me with this? And we did. Interesting. Interesting. All right. We have time for one more quick question. Okay. Uh, This one is from Kathleen, who is writing from Seattle. She says, it seems like a lot of the uh, calls that I get are for people who turn out to be behind in their mortgage payment. Is there anything else I should be asking or research I should be doing on those before I would make them an offer on the phone? Absolutely. How far behind are they? Have they filed this pendants or notice of default? Um, we need all of that information so that we can figure out the best way to deal with that particular person. Okay. Um, and a lot of times they will send me the actual letters and stuff that they've gotten from their mortgage company if they are truly motivated. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I'll just, you know, do me a favor, fax those over to me or, or scan them in and email them so I can take a look and so I can see exactly what we're dealing with before I ever go out to see that seller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kathleen, just let me uh, put a bug in your ear about that. Um, I don't know if you're working in the Seattle area. I know a lot of people who are from Seattle actually are, you know, looking in cheaper markets <laughs> than True. Seattle. But uh, it is going to be uh, things as simple as who is the lender. Are That's go- true too. Are going to be important. Like some, uh, any money, I, I would suggest that if you, if you're going to make this a thing that you study short sales, because you're going to be doing them if you've got people who are behind on their payments. Right. Uh, but also, um, you know, like some lenders are just notoriously hard to work with. If it's a private lender or a small bank or defaulted note buyer, they right. can be super easy to work with. So, you know, just, just have a conversation. Ask what, what would you ask your aunt if she said she was in foreclosure, right? So, Kathy, we uh, look forward to seeing you here in Cincinnati on November the 1st at the Big Summit uh, here for real estate investors from all over the country. But we are out of time. So I appreciate you being here with us today. And uh, we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing. 